You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. I want you to think about all the information that is available on the earth today. There is something that's more important than anything else. That is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. You've already heard that great and glorious story of the resurrection of Jesus as he came back to life. But now as we are going to get into our next passage for the day from the Apostle Paul, it's that he's writing to remind us. Because sometimes we forget that God loves us and that God pursues us and God forgives us and God never gives up on us. We can forget those things. The truth that God loves you is something that you and I need to be reminded of daily. Knowing that God loves you through the person and work of Jesus Christ is something we need to be reminded of all the time. So as we turn to 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to read these opening verses. Paul writes, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you. So here's Paul reminding the Corinthian Christians, you know, sometimes we need to know something new. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of something we already knew so that it stays significant and fresh for us. He says, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preach to you. Now, gospel simply means good news. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to differentiate this. Our world is filled with good advice, lots of good advice. Do this, don't do this. Here are seven steps, 10 steps, 12 steps toward a more abundant, successful life. Good advice is not bad, at least most of it is good. But good advice tells you what to do. We're talking about the good news, which isn't so much about telling you what to do as it is telling you what God has done. You see, there are certain things we can't fix. There are things we can't do. I can't give you a stepped plan for, this is how to forgive all your sins. This is how you reconcile yourself to God. This is how you resurrect from the dead. This is how you enjoy eternal life. What I can give you is this is what God has done because it's something we can't do. God won't give you a list of things to accomplish. He gives us a list of things that Jesus has accomplished. That's what makes it good news. Some of you have lived with burdens and expectations of what others have placed on you. You know, you need to do this. This is who you need to be. Instead, I want to remind you who Jesus is and what he did. And then you get to live out your life in light of the good news of what Jesus has done. You see, the good news is that we have a problem and God provides the solution. God is holy. We are sinful. God is the creator. We are created. God made us, and we turned our backs on him. 
We have run in the opposite direction. We have walked away from him. That's the bad news. But the good news is that God shows up in Jesus Christ to seek us out, to save us. It is, in fact, that he has gone on a rescue mission. So he sends his son, Jesus Christ. And that's where the rest of 1 Corinthians 15, our verses this morning are going to take us. There's a problem. But unlike religion that says, go earn your solution... The good news of the gospel is that Jesus has already provided the solution, and that's the best gift of all. I want to remind you of the gospel, Paul says, that I preached to you, which you received. All right, he talks about the gospel which you have received. This is about learning that Jesus is somebody we need to receive. So if your parents have received Jesus, that's great, but you need to receive Jesus. If your spouse has received Jesus, that's great, but you need to receive Jesus. And on which you have taken your stand. You recognize that the good news of the gospel is something that you can stand on. That means it's a lifestyle. It's a commitment. It's not just a one-time decision. This is something you build your life on. Paul continues, by this gospel, you are saved. Now, we humans, we are in a precarious position. When you read and hear that someone has been rescued, it obviously indicates that they were in a crisis. And on a human level, someone like a firefighter, a police officer, a soldier, even a parent had to come in and rescue them to be their savior, to be the one who would rescue, deliver from their crisis. Well, the Bible presents the storyline of humanity that we are in a crisis. We have walked away from God toward death. We have turned from God toward self-destruction and God has come along on a rescue mission. He sent his son to be our savior. That those who follow him would be saved from hell, to, would be saved from death would be saved from ourselves and our own foolish decisions and our self-destructive ways that lead us away from God apart from his intervention. And what the Apostle Paul is saying, this is the most important information in the world. Now, there's a lot of information out there that's, that's important, but nothing rises to this level that's of first importance, a, a phrase he'll use in the next verse. He says, by this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. I don't want to presume or assume anything, but we wholeheartedly believe that the Bible is God's word. It is 66 books written by some 40 authors inspired by the Holy Spirit over a few thousand years. The Old Testament written primarily in the language of Hebrew. The New Testament entirely in Greek. And it remains the best-selling book in the history of the world. 
New York Times bestselling list stopped including the Bible because it was number one year after year after year. There is nothing like the Bible for life-changing, far-reaching, eternity-sharing power. The question is, what is the main idea in the Bible? You see, it's not really a bunch of different stories. It's all one story, primarily. And everyone and everything in Scripture is part of this overarching story of the good news of Jesus Christ. So when we talk about this, when we come to the Bible, this book, by the way, is for you, but it's not primarily about you. It's for you, absolutely, but it's not primarily about you. So you don't go to the Bible and say, huh, I wonder what this says about me. That's not the first and most important question. The first and most important thing is what does this say about God? That's actually where it begins. In the beginning, God. So the centerpiece of Scripture is who God is. So when the Lord Jesus came to earth, he showed how all of Scripture pointed to him. There are a number of places where Jesus does this. Let me talk with you about two of those places. In John chapter 5, Jesus is having a discussion with some of the religious leaders. He's actually been in conflict with them, or should I say they have a conflict with Jesus. And he says to these people who have spent their entire life memorizing vast amounts of the Old Testament, of their scriptures, he says to them, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. What's Jesus telling them? He's telling them, you don't know the Bible. Because you see, the Bible will not make sense unless it's connected. All of it is connected to Jesus Christ. So the Old Testament, all of it is anticipating Jesus coming, the Messiah. And then one other place in Luke chapter 24, after Jesus' resurrection, he basically leads a Bible study with two people that he is walking with back to their hometown of Emmaus. And he does a Bible study with them walking through the entire Old Testament, showing how it all points to him. Beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures, that's all the Old Testament, concerning himself showing them that the entire Old Testament was really ultimately about him. So we believe the Bible is God's word and ultimately God's word is the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, here's how Paul says it as we go back to 1 Corinthians 15. He says, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Think of all the information available today, all the books you could read, all the blogs and social media posts, all the movies and documentaries you could watch. 
Think of all of it. Think of every learning of every class in every university in the world and there is something that rises above it all that's of first importance, the most important thing in the whole world that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and then he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. According to the scriptures, mentioned twice in one sentence. What's he talking about? What he's talking about is the big idea of the Bible. And what he's saying is the Bible has as its center Jesus Christ. And the whole Bible only makes sense as it's connected to the person and work of Jesus. You see, it's not that Jesus is just this great example He really is our Savior and substitute. And Paul says that Christ died. So now we're into the death of Jesus. So Jesus lived without sin. He fed the hungry. He loves the outcast. He befriends the marginalized. He welcomes children. They didn't kill him for any of those things. The reason that Jesus is put to death is because he openly publicly, repeatedly, unashamedly said he was God. As a result, the political leaders opposed him because he was putting himself over the government. And the religious leaders opposed him because he was claiming to be God. So they had false witnesses testify against him. They ran him through a series of six illegal trials all under the cover of night. The Bible says then they took him and beat him and had him flogged. A cat of nine tails, leather straps implanted with lead balls, hooks, pieces of bone. So that with every blow, pieces of his back were ripped out. Thirty-nine times. Many men didn't even survive the flogging. The Bible says that he endured a sleepless night. He's hungry, he's dehydrated, he's beaten, and then he's made to carry a heavy wooden cross, whether it's the entire cross or the cross beam, either way, that's unbearable. Imagine how depleted and exhausted he was physically. This is what we did to God to the God who never did or said anything wrong and they nailed him to the cross and they did all of that openly, publicly, shamefully. This was in effect ancient terror so that if anybody else has any ideas similar to this man, you better forget them now or you're gonna face the same fate and we know Jesus died and before he does, He says some amazing things from the cross like, Father, forgive them. All he does is express his love. And in that moment, you've got to know, Jesus took our place. Martin Luther, the great 16th century reformer, referred to this as the great exchange, that God took our place 
that the Lord Jesus took our place and put us in his place. He went to death that we might have life. He went to condemnation so that we might have salvation. He experienced separation so we might experience reconciliation. He took our unrighteousness and gave us his righteousness. Jesus took our place and put us in his place. And then we know he died. The Bible tells us that he breathed his last. And just to make sure, one of the executioners took a spear and put it up Jesus' side into his heart sack and out flowed blood and water. I tell you all this or remind you of all this because sometimes we hear Jesus died for your sins. Jesus died for you, and we just simply gloss over all that that means. We need to be reminded of God's love and this perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ, what he did for us. Our text says Christ died for our sins, for us. If you wonder whether God loves you, look at the cross of Jesus Christ. Yes, God loves you. He did love you. He does love you. He will love you. There is no greater demonstration of love on this earth than the crucifixion of Jesus Christ for our sins. All of this according to the scriptures, Paul writes, foretold hundreds of years in advance that he was buried, Paul says, taken to the tomb of a rich man named Joseph of Arimathea who gifted his tomb so that Jesus could be laid, his body already wrapped. The rock is rolled in its place, sealing it up for all eternity. A battalion of soldiers keep guard so that nobody can tamper with it. Everybody knows Jesus is dead. Everybody knows where he is buried. And as was the case, people wanted to visit the gravesite, those who loved him. And that first Sunday morning, lo and behold, when they arrived, the stone was rolled back. And the tomb, it's empty. Well, almost. The burial clothes are still there. Jesus' body is not. And an angel tells them he is alive. That's the story. That he was dead, he was buried, and on the third day he rose. Which in fact was a Sunday. And so worshipers of Jesus switched from Saturday to Sunday as the day to worship because of Easter. Because Jesus ushers in a new reality, a whole new world. And so Jesus overcomes our separation from God. Now, each of us has problems, but there's one biggest one for all of us, that if you are separated from God, you are destined for hell. That is the biggest problem you've got. And Jesus came to take care of that problem. He lives the life that we've not lived, the life without sin. 
He died the death we should have died, the death for sin. And he conquered death to forgive sin. And Jesus is the only one who could do that. No one else offers this. Muhammad, Buddha, Krishna, New Age Movement. This is not good advice of what you do to please God or uh, somehow pay him back. This is the good news of what God has done in the sacrifice and resurrection of his son. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus forgives you. Jesus goes before you. He has prepared a place for you. He died, but he's not still dead. He's alive, and one day you will rise to be with him forever. Now that's good news. And you can make it your own. If you're here and you're not a Christian, the most important decision you can make is what you think of Jesus. And the most important day of your life is the day of your death, and I want you to be prepared to stand before him. So those of you who are Christians, I encourage you to just keep going. And for those of you who are not yet Christians, I want to invite you to get going toward Jesus. This is the day we remember the love of God, the salvation of Jesus, the conquering of death, the joy of eternal life, the pouring out of the presence of God, that he will walk with us continually into eternity. You need to love Jesus. You need to believe in Jesus. You need to follow Jesus and trust Jesus. You need to give him your past. You need to give Jesus your present. You need to give him your future. You need to give Jesus your family. Give Jesus your life. Give him your death. Give him your heart. And if you've never done that before, and you'd like to do that today, we'd love to be able to talk And pray with you. So after this service, those of you who are in person, if that's something that you want to know more about, you want to talk further, you want a prayer over, then you stick around. If you're watching online and and for the first time, maybe you said, you know what, I, I, I think I'm ready to step into this. I know God is calling me into this family. You tell somebody or you reach out to us. You can do that online, you can call, you can reach us here at the church, 704-283-4912. We'd love to talk with you, pray with you, welcome you in to the forever family. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we rejoice this Easter with thankful hearts because Jesus Christ is risen today. Thank you for loving us so much that you sent your only son, Jesus, to become one of us, to suffer and die on the cross and to rise from the dead, giving us new life and renewed hope in the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and Savior. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.